What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you've had an amazing start to your day and that you're ready to conquer the world. That's what we do in the world of pro wrestling, right? We conquer the world, and I hope you guys are ready to do that. Listen, big shout out to everybody who joins us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. Shout out to all of you who are subscribed to our podcast as well on all of the cool places that we are, Spotify, Apple, Google. Thank you so much for your continued support. It really does mean the world. So a couple of quick programming notes, some things that you might want to be interested in or that you might want to know. First and foremost, shout out to my good friends, uh, Black Wrestling Alliance, a.k.a. A Dazzle, and WrestleManiac, a.k.a. Mex. They are two great, great guys doing some amazing things in the U.K., and every first Tuesday, they've given me the opportunity to uh, share the stage or share their platform as we are on British radio and on podcasts with a great wrestling show uh, that WrestleManiac does every Tuesday. But I get to be on every first Tuesday of the month, which is super exciting. So if you missed that, you can check that out on YouTube. And I'll make sure we put a link to yesterday's show on our Facebook page and probably our Twitter page as well. But it's always a pleasure when folks ask us to be a part of what they're doing. While we're doing that, I also want to shout out my good brother R3 over at the Wrestling with Black podcast. He had me on as a guest a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we shared that. But if you haven't heard either of those podcasts or seen them, go ahead and check them out in the places where you check out podcasts. Of course, WrestleManiac show is on YouTube. So just amazing, amazing opportunities. And I don't take that for granted. I will also add to that that this Friday, just a couple of days from now, we have SHW 36, which should be absolutely huge. Two massive matches. Well, really, the entire card is insane. I mean, like it's shaping up to be perhaps our biggest card yet. So if you can get there, it's the thing to do. We're going to have tailgating going on before like and people are like really setting up for this. So this is going to be special again in Canton, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Tickets go on sale this Friday at the door at 5 p.m. Eastern. So it's worth a trip if you're in Atlanta. If you want to come to Atlanta for it, by all means do so. It's going to be a very special night. And before I go, I've got kind of a cool announcement about something very, very special that's coming to the faction this week. All right. With all of that said, let's get into some pro wrestling conversation. I want to start with a continuation of the Royal Rumble recap of sorts, right? So we've shared some thoughts about the Royal Rumble, of course, on our last episode. Had the opportunity yesterday in conversation with A Dazzle and Russell Mex to talk about the Royal Rumble and the like. And so there's some interesting news that's coming out about the Royal Rumble. Let's start here. There is a rumor going around that apparently Brock Lesnar was not initially scheduled to win the Royal Rumble. No, the plan going into the week of the Royal Rumble was that Riddle. Matt Riddle would be the winner of the Royal Rumble. So let me get your thoughts on how you feel about Riddle winning the Royal Rumble. I'll tell you how I feel. 
I think it would have been great. You know, the Royal Rumble has been used traditionally to elevate superstars, to give people another look, to give people the opportunity to raise their stakes in the eyes of fans and officials alike. I hearken back, of course, to the 1990 Royal Rumble, that moment that happened between Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, Warrior being the reigning Intercontinental Champion, Hulk Hogan being the reigning WWE Champion. We had never seen a scenario in that version of the WWE where the WWE Champion and the Intercontinental Champion went head to head. Plus, these were two massive stars, but Warrior's stakes were immediately raised by being in that moment with Hulk Hogan. Couple that with Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura on the call. Like, it just was massive. And that moment led to the WrestleMania main event of Hogan versus the Warrior, that iconic clash. It's been done so many times where people who may not necessarily win the Rumble have their stakes raised. Or the flip side is people win the Rumble and their stakes go up significantly. I think about, you know, the first time John Cena won, the first time Batista won, the first time Sheamus or Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble, right? All of them certainly had their stars and their stock risen significantly by doing that. So Riddle winning the Royal Rumble would have been a great move. It would have been something that would have been unpredictable. Most of us did not see that coming. I think the other thought is that RK-Bro is really a great tag team. They're the tag team we didn't know we wanted or needed, and they've been amazing, to say the least. So, interesting thought there that Brock wasn't initially supposed to be the winner, and I think it also speaks to just how on the fly and at times erratic WWE's booking can be. Now, I'm not trying to bash the WWE. I mean, there are enough people out there doing that. But I am making an interesting observation when you think about the storyline plan and the like. You know, I think there are a lot of factors that end up going into the powers that be making their decision. So on one hand, Riddle winning the Royal Rumble I think is a great look. I think it gets fans talking. I think it would have made the men's Royal Rumble match a lot less predictable. With that said, I don't think that the powers that be think that Riddle in a main event at WrestleMania would sell tickets. And here's the tough part. When you have 101,000 seats to fill on two nights, you really have to have something special that you're bringing to the table. Not that Riddle isn't special because I think that kind of elevation is the type of thing that we as fans like to see versus the tried and true Brock Lesnar or Ronda Rousey. So it's interesting and I will share a point that I made yesterday on the show with WrestleManiac and a Dazzle. And that's this. And I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but we now know that the Elimination Chamber match will be for the WWE Championship. Brock Lesnar is in that match. And my thought is if Brock Lesnar wins the WWE Championship, I mean, there's a bit of history there because usually the Royal Rumble winner doesn't get a shot at any title before WrestleMania. So he could call his shot because he's a former champion, enter into the Elimination Chamber, win the Elimination Chamber, and then end up in a title-for-title situation with Roman. 
if that happens, I predict that whoever wins, the WWE will sell by 2022. Yes, you heard me right. I believe the WWE will sell this year if they choose to unify the titles. My explanation why is simple. All of what WWE has been doing for the last couple of years with the incredible amount of firings, with this decision to take NXT back to developmental, all of that has been centered around positioning them for sale. First of all, there's not a wrestling entity that could afford to purchase the WWE right now. So for the WWE to go on sale, it would not happen at the hands of anybody currently in pro wrestling, which means the WWE would be in the hands for the first time ever of quote unquote outsiders. Because WWE is more interested in securing the bag than they are in securing their legacy, they want to put themselves in a position where they look great for a potential suitor. And so think about this. If you are a sports organization, you look disjointed with multiple world champions, right? In the NBA, there might be an Eastern Conference champion and a Western Conference champion, but when it comes to the NBA championship, there's only one team that's recognized. In the NFL, we just saw the AFC and NFC championship games happen, but they're having the Super Bowl to recognize one champion. And what's interesting is, going throughout the season, we don't make reference to who the AFC champion is or the NFC champion is. We make reference to who the Super Bowl champion is and can they be the defending champions. I say all of that to say it is a wee bit convoluted to present the WWE to a suitor and say we have two world champions because you can't build a new profile around two lead guys. You need one clear lead guy. And so the question would be, is that Bobby Lashley? Is that Roman Reigns? Is that Brock Lesnar? So if you're thinking, and again, this is where the business piece comes into it. If you're thinking from a business perspective and you're trying to think like Vince McMahon, which of these three men could be somebody that I could shop to suitors to say, this is the face of our organization? I don't want to get too far down the road with the sale because then the question becomes, will Vince McMahon still have his hand in it? Will the vision still be the same? I don't know the answers to that, right? Part of me feels like if Vince is going to sell, he's going to do like a lot of the legacy artists right now who are selling their catalog in the world of music. You sell it, you leave it alone, you let whoever is in control of it work it. I will tell you now that for all that Vince McMahon has done for the sport of pro wrestling, I think he's more interested in making a good dollar than he is in preserving the legacy of the business. So with that said, and given his age, I think when Vince McMahon is ready to get out of the wrestling business, certainly he will sell. I think if we get a unified champion this year, that's a clear sign to you that a sale is on the way. Make no mistake about it. So understanding that as the overarching theme here, then it kind of explains a few other things. And it also explains why there's not necessarily a clear plan for what, you know, Royal Rumble would have been for Elimination Chamber, for WrestleMania. It's all very much still up in the air, which I think 
is interesting. I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's on the men's side of things in terms of rumors that are out there. To the women's Royal Rumble, there's another interesting rumor out there, and I don't know that it's necessarily rumor since it's been confirmed by some of the wrestlers involved, but apparently WWE reached out to several former employees. And when I say former employees, I don't mean alumnus that used to work as legends and that were in the WWE 15, 20 years ago. I'm talking about people who were recently released, like the Iconics, now known as the Inspiration, who are the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Champions. Also, Nia Jax has confirmed that she was reached out to to be a part of the Royal Rumble. Nia Jax's comments are actually quite interesting because she mentioned this on Renee Paquette's Oral Sessions podcast. And one of the things that she said was that John Laronitis reached out to her and wanted to see if she had interest in being in the Royal Rumble. He went on to say that if she gave him a yes, that her name would be put on a list for consideration for the Royal Rumble, that in turn, Vince McMahon would ultimately decide yay or nay. So for her, she was like, absolutely no way. Plus, she's still in that 90-day clause, which means she's already getting paid Right. So because she's already getting paid coming to work for WWE, there would not be an additional check involved. So for Naya, it was a hard no. And I cleaned up some of the language, by the way. She used a lot of colorful language to discuss that. I will say this in regards to that. I think it's really gutsy dare I even use the term ballsy for WWE to reach out to recently fired employees not to give them a full contract to return but instead to give them a one-off opportunity to be in a Royal Rumble that they will likely not win but they'll get to get their face on television with that said it looks like only two people actually responded to that Mickey James, to which I understand why she did that, because she got to make history being the first wrestler employed by another company to bring their belt onto a major WWE pay-per-view. That's massive. That's huge. That's historic. It made sense. The other one was Sarah Logan, who we've not seen since her days at the Riot Squad. She came in for a brief appearance. That was intriguing. I don't know that it added a whole lot to the Royal Rumble, but it happened. To think that they were looking at Nia Jax and the Iconics is interesting. And again, I say it's gutsy. I don't know how I would feel if my former employer, while I was in a 90-day non-compete, reached out to me to return to the organization, not to return on a regular basis, but for a spot date. I don't know how I would feel about that. And so I understand Nia Jax's feelings and the like. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some other things connected to the Royal Rumble, which could explain why you saw what you saw. And apparently, WWE reaching out to former employees is not a new thing. We'll tell you who else they reached out to and who gave them a hard no when we return. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? 
well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it wouldn't read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win and there's a you, there will always be a S-H-W. Attention wrestling fans, join us for SHW 36, Friday, February 4th at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia. The working team captain Owen Knight defends his Southern Honor Championship in a rematch against the Black Cloud, Joe Black. Technical excellence will put their tag team titles on the line as they face off with All-Star Special. Two monsters collide as Cyrus the Destroyer goes one-on-one -on -one with the Priest of Punishment, Judas. The heathen Cruel is out for revenge as he takes on our pal Sal in a no-holds bar grudge match. Plus, AC Mack defends his newly won Independent Wrestling World Championship for the first time against David Ali. And after nearly a year away, Matt and Joey Lynch return to the ring as they face the Washington Bullets. Also in action, Jordan Kingsley, Adam Priest, Kevin Ryan, Dylan McQueen, and more. And will Gunnar Miller finally get an answer from Tank and the Reverend? There's only one way to find out. Join us live in the Action Building. Tickets go on sale at the door the night of the show starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. Trust us, you don't want to miss this show. SHW, this is our wrestling. All right, so if you've wondered why the Royal Rumble matches on the men's and the women's side felt the way that they did, a lot of it has to do with who wasn't there. Now, on one hand, we could have the conversation about the absence of NXT superstars. It is legitimately the first time, uh, probably since 2014, that you've not seen a superstar from NXT in a Royal Rumble. Why? Well, I think this again is WWE's attempt at NXT 2.0 to make it so developmental that you're not bringing anybody up. Here's the problem.
while it was still developmental, before it was considered a third brand, they still had superstars from NXT show up to the Royal Rumble. I specifically remember one year where there was a bit of a tournament in NXT to see which of their superstars would make it to the Royal Rumble. And Bo Dallas, I believe, won that and ended up getting into the Royal Rumble that year. So it's really interesting to see that WWE either doesn't trust any of NXT superstars on the men or women's side, or they just didn't even think about it. And the sad part is, without the NXT superstars, it really shows the holes in WWE's current roster, which is equally scary. But here's the other reason why the Royal Rumble matches look the way that they did. The absence of of two rather influential people. TJ Wilson, a.k.a. Tyson Kidd, is generally responsible these days for producing the women's matches, and he was not present at this year's Royal Rumble. And usually highly influential in both the women's and men's matches is one Triple H, who also was not present at the Royal Rumble. When you consider all that Triple H has brought to the sport, uh, both in the ring and out of the ring, how influential he's been, of course, with the NXT brand and influential in the WWE brands as well, it's a bit alarming. It's equally alarming that TJ Wilson, aka Tyson Kidd, was not there. What on earth does that mean that these two major figures are not at one of WWE's most significant pay-per-view slash premium live events. Well, I think, number one, it may speak to whatever the health situation is for Triple H. Perhaps he's not ready for that level of stress. The other side of it is, have you devalued Triple H and Tyson Kidd, a.k.a. TJ Wilson? That's a great question that probably deserves some exploration and I won't fully do that right now, but I'll say this. It's very clear that without their fingerprints on the product, the product feels different, a lot different. So with that said, you'll be interested in knowing which former WWE superstar has been approached by WWE and denied, and another WWE superstar has been granted their release. Recently granted their release, we know about Mustafa Ali making requests to be released, but it wasn't him. Instead, it's former Cruiserweight champion Brian Kendrick, who has spent quite a bit of time lately training the folks at NXT. He was featured on television in what seemed to be an angle with Harland where it looked like there could have been a match, but that never materialized because he wants out and they granted him his request. That's interesting. WWE was interested in bringing Jeff Hardy back. I don't know if you heard about this, but they were interested in that and they reached out to Jeff Hardy to see if they could bring him back. Now, why did they want to bring him back? Because, if you remember, Jeff Hardy was released from WWE a few months ago because of what seemed to be some erratic behavior that they said was a result of him having a drug relapse. Well, the word on the street is, and it's not just the word on the street, Matt Hardy confirmed this on Twitch, that Jeff Hardy asked for the results of the drug test. And the results of the drug test came back negative. So indeed, when Jeff Hardy left the ring at that show in Texas, he was not under the influence of any sort of substance. 
he was somewhat in his clear mind. Now, it's believed that he left the ring because, quite frankly, he was frustrated. He was fed up. There was a lot of pressure happening in WWE, which is hard to argue, given all that we know about WWE. So that was that. So how do you then try to make things right when you fired someone wrongfully? WWE's answer was, perhaps we can give Jeff Hardy a spot in the Hall of Fame. So they offered him a spot in the Hall of Fame, to which Jeff Hardy goes, absolutely not. He's closed the door on all things WWE. And now this gets interesting because if Jeff Hardy is not and did not relapse, that means he's in good spirits. That means he could wrestle again, which means it only makes sense for a potential last ride for the Hardy Boys in AEW. Hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So with that said, that's a look at news and the like in the world of pro wrestling. Things are super interesting. Remember tonight, AEW Dynamite is going down for the first time ever match between MJF and CM Punk in Chicago. So, you know, whenever AEW comes to Chicago, big things happen. And I'm looking forward to what should be a big night for AEW. Of course, SHW, Southern Honor Wrestling, big, big show coming this Friday night, SHW 36. I hope you guys can be in the house. It's legit one of our biggest cards of all time. I'm super excited about that. And I'm going to drop a little bombshell on you this week. Stay tuned because I think we're going to drop it tomorrow. We've got a brand new interview happening with the brand new IWTV Independent Wrestling World Champion AC Mack. The world has been talking about what happened with him nearly two weeks ago. We've got a special interview getting ready to happen with AC Mack. You'll hear it, you'll get to see it this week on The Faction. So stay tuned. We'll be premiering it, of course, on our Facebook page. You'll be able to hear it, of course, on all of the outlets you're hearing us now. But I'm super excited about this special interview with the current reigning IWTV Independent Wrestling World Champion, A.C. Max. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be very exciting. All right, guys, until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, my name is GB Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Shut up!